to the Westminster Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. Today's sermon is on Ephesians 4, 14-16, and is titled, The Purpose of Gifts in the Church. The greatness of His power to usward who believe, according to the working of His mighty power, which He wrought in Christ when He raised Him from the dead and set Him at His own right hand in heavenly places far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this world, but also in that which is to come. You see here in Ephesians 1, Paul is teaching them that like the power that God wrought in raising Christ from the dead, likewise that power is to usward who believe. This is a tremendous, wonderful and comforting truth. There's an incredible power at work in us, in the church, uh, and we should take note of that. So as we've seen, the Apostle Paul now in Ephesians 4 is saying that the power of the resurrected, now ascended Lord Jesus Christ is at work on behalf of his church and is sustaining his church. And so from verse 14 to 16, the Apostle Paul is explaining to us what the purpose of the resurrection power of Jesus Christ is in engifting the church, in engifting individuals in the church with skills and abilities to be part of this local body of believers. And it is something that we need to note, that Jesus is alive, that he's been resurrected, that he's ascended, and that he's ruling the world by his word and spirit. And he sustains his church. And so why? Why has he given gifts to his church? Why has the Lord called certain individuals to be part of this local church or other local churches or raised up particular preachers to give great teaching to us that we might be grounded in the truth? Well, uh, we see this here. We see this here in verse 14, 15 and 16. And I just want you to note three things uh, this morning. I want you to note Uh, three things. Paul tells us that a result of this resurrection power. In verse 14, uh, Paul talks about us being established in the truth, being grounded in the truth. In verse 15, he he begins to speak about us being matured or in in our love, that there's this love in the church community. And then thirdly, we see that it is so we as a body might mature and grow, that we might be Christ-like in our ways and and our lives. And so those are the three things I just want to outline to you this morning. The first, then, that we are established in truth. Christ's resurrection power is at work in us and in the church to establish us in his truth. His ascended rule in which he reigns over his church as the good shepherd, he is rooting his church in the truth. And so verse 14, Paul states this negatively. He says here, that we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of man and cunning craftiness whereby they lie in wait to deceive. Notice here, he gives a negative example. People who aren't rooted in the truth. People who aren't rooted in in the Word of God. And we're given four metaphors here. Four different images that are given to us so we might understand what he's saying. He starts off with children. 
Now, first of all, there's nothing wrong with children. In fact, children are often used as positive uh, pictures in the Word of God. And so, uh, we find here uh, that, uh, that children are used uh, as an example in their naivety. You see, uh, my point here is uh, truth is to ground the church and by extension the believer in truth so we're not tossed about with every uh, wind of doctrine or deceived by uh, the trickiness or uh, the cunning uh, deceitfulness of men. And so the first thing he says here in verse 14 is that we henceforth be no more children. No more children. What does he mean here? Well, children, are, children sometimes can be taken in. I often remember when I was a, a young boy, my grandfather used to tell stories about the war. And uh, he'd tell me he, he was going through uh, some jungle with, with a knife in his mouth and these elaborate stories. He, he never was actually one who fought in the war. He was, on, he was uh, to do with the boats and things like that. But I was completely taken in by it because um, he was telling me this story. And that's what it means here. One of the great concerns a parent may have for a child or, or for their close friends is that someone might deceive them. And so as you're bringing them up, you're wanting to teach them. You're wanting to warn them about potential dangers. And Paul is saying the same thing about the church and us as individual believers here. I don't want you to be immature in discernment. I don't want you to be immature in your discernment so that you can be taken advantage of by those who deny the truth, who are seeking to make you just uh, out for their own purposes. And so in that sense, henceforth be no more children, uh, as you see here. And then he quickly changes uh, the picture again. He says, tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine. Here, there's this tossing to and fro, like uh, being on a ship, a ship with, with, a, with a rough wave. And maybe you've been on a ship that's like that, where you're being tossed to and fro in, in that manner. And it's very distressing. It, it can cause great concern. I've never been on a ship like that, but just a week ago I was driving in the USA and uh, there was a terrible storm. Maybe it was just I wasn't used to storms like that and there was thunder, the rain was so heavy I couldn't see out of my uh, windshield and so I pulled over to one side and waited for the storm to pass. And you could imagine a ship in those severe storm conditions, how perilous it is, how it's just being blown about. No more is the, is the captain under control of uh, the ship. And so Paul here is saying that's a picture of someone who is not established in the truth. Someone who is not established in the truth and he wants them to be grounded so they can't be tossed about by those waves. That is the great desire here at this church, that you would be grounded in truth as, as you see set out in point one of your notes here. That you might be grounded in the word of God. You might get enjoyment, more enjoyment elsewhere. But... May the Lord enable us as a church here to ground you in the truth so that when you watch the heretic on YouTube 
or some weirdo spouting nonsense with conviction, you are not swept away by it. But you have a grasp of biblical truth. You have a church family to realign you if you're being blown off course. And this is why it's so helpful to be part of a local church, to have a consistent teaching from the Word of God. And then uh, we also see here he changes the picture again. He speaks here of being carried about with every wind of doctrine. Now the picture here is of maybe straw or leaves or paper in the wind. Have you ever dropped a piece of paper on a windy day? And you're trying to chase it to get it back. And it keeps being blown off uh, because of the wind. Or I remember uh, not too long ago, uh, down uh, just by Millbank there, there's a restaurant called Pizza Express. And outside there, it's like a wind tunnel. And we were leaving and, and a strong wind came along and blew my, my father's hat straight off. And we were chasing it uh, down the road uh, because... We needed to get hold of it before it was maybe crushed by a car. And the Apostle Paul is saying this this being blown about with every wind is a picture of a person who is not rooted and established in the truth. They are just blown about from here to there. They don't have a grounding in the Word of God. And he wants the Ephesian believers and us in our local church to be grounded in the truth of the Word of God. And then he changes to another picture. It says, By the slight of men and cunning craftiness, whereby they lie in wait to deceive. In other words, he doesn't want us to be deceived easily by false teachers. And that is so important, because false teachers have always been around. They're around today, they're around in the first and second century, and Jesus and Paul and the other disciples all taught us that we would always face the challenge of false teachers. And that's one reason why being established in the truth is so important. You see, my friends, people have been making up false stories from the very, very beginning to leave, uh, lead Christians astray. And the Apostle Paul is saying this is one reason why we need to know the truth. So that when someone presents to us some falsehood, we can identify it as such. And that's why we should emphasize the truth in everything we do. The Christian ought to glory in the truth of Scripture. The Christian ought to rejoice in the words of this book. The authoritative teaching of Scripture. That is one of the consequences of the resurrection power of Jesus Christ working in this church, that it might be a church grounded in the truth. John Calvin uh, once said, as you'll see in in my notes, uh, that Satan can never rest without striving to darken by his lies the pure doctrine of Christ. What Satan will never rest without striving to darken by his lies the pure doctrine of Christ. And so we need to be on our guard. We need to be grounded in truth because that is so essential. Secondly, we are to grow in love, as you'll see point two. So we grow in love in the church by speaking the truth in love and building up the body in love. Verse 15. But speaking the truth in love may grow up into him in all things, which is the head, even Christ. How do we grow? 
How do we as a church, as an individual believer, as part of this body grow? Well, the Apostle tells us here that we may grow up into Him, that is Christ, by speaking the truth in love. And this is something that is important. These two things are not contradictory. Truth and love are not things that gravitate against each other. You may come across the criticism that someone says, oh, that person's too concerned about the truth. Well, arguably, you can never be too concerned about the truth. Sometimes it's right that people take great care with the truth, but they do not understand what the truth is for. They do not have love for other people. And, and so it is not them sharing the truth in love, but they want to lord it over someone else. And so when we know the truth and we tell others the truth and we even are trying to deal with a, a, a brother or sister who's fallen into uh, some error, we want to correct them in love. Or as the scriptures tell us elsewhere, we do so in the spirit of meekness so that that brother or sister might be restored. And so the Apostle Paul explains to us here that the function of truth is the fostering of real Christian love. And that the goal of truth is this expression of real Christian love. Now when I say that, don't misunderstand me. When the Scriptures use love, it doesn't just mean being nice. That is what we may have perceive it to be in our particular culture today. But... Uh, even people who are non-Christians recognize that sometimes to display true love, we have to tell someone hard things. We sometimes, as the saying goes, have to be cruel to be kind. Loving someone to do something that's not pleasant for you or for them requires something that's more than just niceness. It requires a genuine concern for the well-being of another person even though it costs us something. And so that is a real Christian love. And so we see that here. That's the love that we should have one for another. Also, I would note to you here, whilst there's this personal element that we speak the truth in love, that the Scripture commends, there's also a principle here that goes into the teaching in the church. Paul here is contrasting speaking the truth in love by the deceitfulness that we see in verse 14, by men who, who by the slight of men and cunning craftiness are deceiving people. And so there's this contrast between false teachers who deceive people with their words, shaping erroneous messages so as to receive the largest following, or maybe telling half-truths or even outright lies so that they can heap support to themselves rather than telling the truth in love. And how does this work in a preaching scheme? How does it work in the church? Well, it works like this, does it not? That we do not skip over difficult teachings. We do not just go over the pleasant parts of Scripture to entice our hearers. This would be an error if we were to do this. And so we must not neglect those hard teachings of the Word of God. So uh, we as teachers must speak the truth in love, uh, which uh, we might nourish the body of the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul uses metaphors in verse um, 16 and verse 15 that relate to the human body. 
And he does so to indicate this interconnectedness of believers. This key role of all of us in the functioning of the church. Just as ligaments tie the whole body together, so we are so interdependent that we must receive nourishment from Jesus through other believers and then pass on that sound instruction we've received to others. And so uh, that is important here, and I think the Apostle Paul is setting that out to us. I was reading in a sermon, as you'll see in a quote in my notes. Sadly, I didn't note down what sermon it is, but uh, they said this, Truth and love are not opponents. They are comrades in the great work of Christian maturity. And it's a great blessing to have a brother or sister who comes alongside you, especially if you're a young Christian, to advise you in your Christian walk, to strengthen you who have that genuine love for you as a fellow believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, to build you up. And that's what something should be evident in the local church. And so the Apostle Paul says, the power, the resurrection power of the Lord Jesus Christ at work in the church it is one that grounds us in the truth, but is one that also grounds us in love in the truth. That we might speak the truth in love to each other. You also see at the end of verse 16, making the increase of the body unto edifying of itself in love. The increase of the body, if you like, the building up of the body of the Lord Jesus Christ is unto the edifying of itself in love. It's a great shame, and it can do great damage to the church of Christ when someone is going about like a bull in a china shop with regard to their dealings with people, when their interactions are not permeated with love for that individual. We, when we speak to people about the truth of God, are not wanting to destroy people. We want to build them up, and that is very important. Thirdly then, point three in my notes, we are to grow as a body of Christ so that we grow as a body of believers. We see here in verse 16, from whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplieth according to the effectual working in the measure of every part maketh increase of the body unto the edifying of itself in love. There's one more thing here. You understand there's an emphasis that the growing maturity, that growth that each of us experiences as, as believers in the resurrection power of Christ because of him, him ascending and, and blessing His church, because of the work of the Spirit in us, that growth of maturity is not just something simply for our benefit. It's for the benefit of the whole body of Christ. So that as I grow personally as an individual believer, I can also be a great blessing to the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. And uh, once again, let me give you a, another quote here. I think it's quite apt. This means, this means that no increase is of use that does not correspond to the whole body. In other words, as we come under the word, as we come under the means of grace, the preaching of God's Word, as we study God's Word, as we've had fellow believers share the truth in love with us, and we've been built up, and we, we've begun to grow. We, 
start to show a spiritual maturity. And as we show that spiritual maturity, as we grow personally as believers, we assist other believers in their spiritual growth, in bringing them to the Word of God, in some things that maybe we've understand, understand that they haven't worked out yet, uh, in something that we have experienced and we warn against it or help them through it. And, and we see that here. This is so vital and important. We live in a very individualistic age. And there's a great temptation when we can just press on with our own spiritual growth. But what I'm saying to you is our spiritual growth and our abilities given to us by God should be connected with the church and a body of believers. Look what it says here. It's talking of this whole body compacted together. Those ligaments that I referred to, each edifying this effectual working of God in the body of the Lord Jesus Christ. That is why we shouldn't be going and separating ourselves on our own in an individual room in a monastery somewhere because that's not what we see in the Word of God. We should be building each other up that we might grow into spiritual maturity. Personal individual study is important and necessary for our spiritual growth. However, we will attain spiritual maturity in the faith when we as fellow believers work one with another as in the context of a covenant community of Almighty God. So the Apostle Paul is saying, that a consequence of the resurrected power of the Lord Jesus Christ at work in the church, his ascending rule and gifting the church is that we are rooted in love, that we hold tenaciously to the truth and we love the truth and we know the truth and we understand and dwell on the truth and we're committed to growing in love so that our lives are marked by that and that our personal growth is ultimately a great blessing to the people of God. So dear friend, a very practical question. How can you use your abilities, your skills that the Lord has given you, your wisdom even, to help the church and fellow believers? How often we don't think on these things. We think so much of ourselves, but we don't think how we might assist that brother or sister. And so let me come back to uh, the key question in my notes, where I've asked why, according to the reasons given in Ephesians 4:14 to 16, has God gifted the church with His word, uh, various gifts as a body, and to what end? Well, the Lord has done so, ultimately that we might be like Christ, that we might be grounded in the truth, so that we won't be deceived that we might be bound up in love one toward another so that we might be close together in the Lord and that we might have that spiritual maturity, that it might be to the glory of Almighty God. Shall we pray together? listening. Please join us next week for our next sermon in Ephesians. Please feel free to follow this on Facebook Live or keep track via our website at
www.thepodcastpodcast.co.uk.